Father, as we join in worship, in the fruit of our lips, with songs, Lord, that are older than many of us, the picture of the redeemed brings us to your heart. The song of love lifting us when we're powerless and we cannot be lifted, when we're in despair and we see no end. All we have to do is look up and see that our Lord Jesus was lifted. That it is through his faithfulness that we are as righteous as we could be today, undeservingly. Undeserving, Lord, we stand here to you knowing that we are not perfect, but you have cast perfect righteousness upon us through your Son. We continue to ask forgiveness on our part. We continue, Lord, to be melted away by the assurance of the forgiveness we have in Jesus. We continue to realize how the canopy of our heart needs to enlarge with the love that only you can teach towards you, towards others. As we give a portion, Lord, of that which you have provided for us, bless it for upkeeping ministry and the expanding of your kingdom. Also, Lord, as we come before you, we thank you that we can freely worship you today. As we carry our hearts, Lord, we know that we stand in the presence of an almighty God. Take my inadequacy away, my weakness, Lord, as we desire to approach your word and to hear your words. Lord, we need help from your Holy Spirit in this great passage that you have put before us this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you've been reading with us, we are in 2 Samuel right now, and it is a beautiful time, and it is a very tough passage uh, uh, to preach out of, and um, very tempted, especially in a Baptist church, to not preach it. Not preach it because it's not very Baptist-friendly. Can you take a guess? What have I told you about a weakness of Baptist churches when it comes to theology? Covenantal theology. Covenantal theology. So guess what we're going to look at today? David's covenant with the Lord. How about that? Do any of you remember any other covenant besides the Davidic covenant with our Lord? Abraham. Anyone else besides Abraham? Jacob. Jacob? There's someone in between those two. 
Isaac, yeah, there was a guy named Isaac too. Yeah. Anyone else? Noah. I will give you a hint. If you ever meet a Yahovist or a Seventh-day Adventist, and they'll say, well, we still need to keep the, the, the food laws. Can you find, they'll ask you, can you find anywhere in the Old Testament where they did not keep the kosher laws? Go back to Noah and says, see how the Lord tells him to eat everything. There wasn't much around when they came off from the ark. So that is another, a place where you can start this conversation. And that will, uh, that will, now, that will now be welcomed with you. But there is, there is a hook to where you can portray this reality. Nonetheless, we have David. We have David. You and I, how do we relate to Noah's covenant? And what does that mean? That we will have a period of grace till, till judgment will come. But there will be tribulation. And we are hoping that we will not partake of that fire destruction that will take place. How do we partake, and obviously we do, in the, in, the, in the covenant with Abraham? Through Abraham, we have become sons and daughters by faith. Abraham is the father of faith. So we as Gentiles, unless you're Jewish, then you're more, more tied in with the covenant of Jacob. And that's why Jacob's name was tied in with the law and changed his name to Israel. Now we come to David. How does David's covenant with the Lord affect us today? It presents the message of the coming kingdom of God, which the prophets begin to bring about. And John the Baptist, what was the message that John the Baptist preached? Repent for the... Make your, you know, that was coming with Jesus, but he said repent, make the path straight. Jesus then added, not him, but he said repent. Why? So this kingdom that can only be established through Christ took over and added that part for the kingdom of God is at hand. So he paved the way, the prophets paved the way, Jesus inaugurated it. So this is a beautiful, powerful passage that it is very hard for us to maybe comprehend or deal with at this time. What does that mean to you, to you and I? 
that all the covenants that went before us get fulfilled when we partake the Lord's Supper. And how do those covenants relate to the fact that Jesus shed his blood? And that's why we sang today, redeemed by the blood. How, how is that related to you and I? Let's begin to read as we seek an answer to that question. Now, when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, the king said to Nathan uh, the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. David had began to conquer most of his enemies. He also took over Jerusalem. Jerusalem was first won by Joshua, but then the Jebusites reclaimed it, and it was still under their rule until David conquered it again. And guess what he did? He made it his capital. Interestingly enough, it's close to the border of the Benjaminites and Judah, and uh, it is the tribe that uh, had a hardest time with him becoming king because that's where Saul originated from. But nonetheless, he had become what Josephus tells us, a billionaire. Now, if you want to be a billionaire, you should live in the United States. Because a billion is a thousand million. If you have a thousand million dollars, you are a billionaire. But what does it mean to be a billionaire in the UK? You have a million million. It's not the same number. So if you want to marry a billionaire, you should move to the UK. If you want to become a millionaire, you should live in the US. It depends on your own flavor. This is a joke. I'm just kidding. But nonetheless, this is how wealthy he had become. He had constructed his own temple and his own house, and he was expensive and beautiful. And as he's approaching this lavish, more peaceful life, usually people tend to forget about the Lord. They make plans. They get more comfortable. The money's coming in. They think about their retirement, where they're going to travel and what they're going to do and so forth. So it's not that easy to continue into striving for God's kingdom. But David notices something and he says, wow, look at where God's presence dwells and look at where my presence is. I'm looking pretty good compared to God. So it doesn't sit right with him. He says, this does not look good. See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the Lord dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. 
Now, if you're a prophet and you have the authority of a prophet and you see that the Lord is with David, what happens? You say, well, I'm sure God, he's blessing you left and right. Go ahead and do what you desire. What is the problem with David? Does David have authority over the instructions for the tent? Not really, but this is a moving in his heart. So that's why he's asking the prophet, because David knows he can't just act on it without any reason. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? The same night, the word of the Lord came to the prophet. Because Nathan spoke without consulting of the Lord. So the Lord said, yeah, you know. It's not quite what you think. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord. So now it is no longer Nathan speaking, but it is the Lord. Would you build me a house to dwell in? What is he asking? Would you build me a house to dwell in? What is the Lord asking when he asks that question? Would you build me a house to dwell in? Is he asking about his ability? Is he asking if he has resources? Is he asking if he can actually do it? Is he asking if this is right or wrong? Is he asking if this is his command or not? The Lord says, I have now lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt. To this day, I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I have commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? What is the Lord saying? Not that there's something wrong. This is not his instruction, but he's saying there's something greater that I want to do with my presence, and that is taking care of the souls of people. He's emphasizing the spiritual reality and approach to what is an expression of the physical? Now we know it because we have been enlightened. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Is that kingdom a nation under this earth? Or is that kingdom from the spiritual realm and reality? Because some could say, well, you know, maybe it is real. Maybe the kingdom of God keeps choosing a country and moving around the history of the world. And there are some people who have that way of thinking. 
There are some people who have that way of thinking. I have been with you whenever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. So what is God saying? I have been with you. Now he's no longer saying that I'm just in the Ark of the Covenant. That's not just my presence and you have it in a tent. It is a greater reality that God desires to dwell with his people. And he's making it personal with David. Hmm. Well, if God is with David, why does David have this in his heart? And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. What is the answer now? That which started in your heart, it's good. But it's culminating in, I want to build you a house, and the Lord saying in return, but I will do what? Build you a house. Man, that almost sounds like a marriage proposal. Like a covenant. That which was on David's heart was also inclined to be uh, because it was on the Lord's heart to do. I will appoint. The Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, this is not a word that's usually used with us forever. We try to say that's a word that's being used with God, but it is used with us what is the component here? The seed of David, the human part, and God said, I will. Was Jesus both man and God? Yes, he was. Is there any other human being that portrays to us the reality of Jesus being both God and man and the forever aspect? No. So, what does it mean for the Lord to build us a house? Why did people live in houses, in tents? 
to protect themselves from animals, from theft, from cold, from heat. What has David been experiencing? He sins, he withdraws in a cave, he repents, he cries, he writes songs. He falters, he repents, he cries, he writes songs. Hasn't been David experiencing withdrawing into a lighthouse, into a strong tower? It didn't matter whether it was a palace or the cave. God was already hinting to him just the way we know from 2 Colossians, just like it is for the men's retreat. So just as you have received Jesus Christ, so walk in him. There's a light, there's a lighthouse, there's a strong tower that it's above David's head. He's experienced it, but he has no idea of what the Lord is yet speaking. But he will con things will continue to be revealed to him. And the Holy Spirit would express this reality because he will call Jesus what? Lord, he who sits at the right hand. He calls him Lord. How can he be his son then, right? This is even brought to us in the book of Acts. This is brought to us in the New Testament. So things will begin to be revealed through the Holy Spirit to David. Now, I know this is very complicated, so I ask forgiveness for, uh, you know, very tough passage. How does this fit in with a covenant? Faith we understand. What does this fit in with a covenant? What happens? Berit is the Hebrew word for covenant. You know, trying to look at the definition of berit, a compact, a covenant, an agreement. Sometimes used as a testimony and witness, but usually it's a compact made by passing pieces of flesh. An association between two parties or people with various responsibilities, benefits, and penalties. Usually they cut an animal in two when they made an agreement to show the severity of the agreement. If you look at the reality of making a covenant and then God disclosing this to us as, as we're reading this part, it's not easy to understand what is God really doing and saying here. Just a few chapters later, we know the story of Bathsheba and David. When David enters into that awful situation, what does Nathan say to, to David when he comes back at the end? But the Lord has put away the sin from you. Nonetheless, he shall take your firstborn, right? 
How can that be the case? David went through a lot of repentance. You know, the Psalms, we can read about this entire problem. But how can God put away God's, you know, that sin? You and I ought to know better because we partake of the broken body and the shed blood. So as you can see, it's not easy to understand, but it's easy to sing that I've been redeemed by the blood. The blood covers me. Why? Because it is by the very act of this covenant with David disclosing God's heart for the salvation and the issue of sin that I have that he will cut off, remove the sin from me as far as his east is from the west. So ultimately, we now see that it ties in by faith for me to come and realize the covenant was given to us to realize that there needs to be righteousness. And that righteousness, it is released to all of us through the Son and through the heart of the Father because it is not achievable by us and David is given to us as an example. Psalm 89 is very good about giving us what God has done, saying that I have taken David to be a shepherd and I have moved it and I will not. Let him fall down and I will not let him do. If you read, there's a bunch of passages from about uh, verse 20 all the way to 37. If you focus on that, you will see a great description on God's take for this reality. And you'll be shocked how much he mentions the word covenant. Why? Why does God speak about the covenant and why don't we speak about covenant? Because God is righteous and we're not. God is perfect to keep his word. Are we perfect in that which we claim and speak? Can we walk the straight line the way God does? So it is in our nature to understand hardly what covenant is. It is in our nature to not speak about covenant. Do you know why? Because the grace is that Jesus puts himself on the line. It is not because we first love God, but it is because first, who loved us? God loved us. Isn't that the same thing? He shall be the house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be a son to me. To me a son, when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of man. Now, the translation here says, when 
he commits iniquity. He says, when sin is laid upon him, better translation, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Now, is this bad? God speaks in a way that is above and beyond my grade and your grade. And we may understand something. And David was trying to realize something. And he said, hey, things are good. My throne is secure forever. God is saying that. Do you think David believed that he deserved it? Let me ask you this. Do you think people understood when Jesus was preaching and teaching? Even his own disciples went back and said, Scratch their heads and went back and said, What were you talking about? Man, he, Jesus would have not done too well at interviews. What, what was this guy saying? Now we teach platforms of how people should teach. Or uh, if if it's too hard to understand, that guy's not a good teacher or pastor. Be careful not to name Jesus that way. We're still having trouble fully understanding today the depth of his meaning and what he was saying. Be careful. Be glad that he spoke. That brings us to hermeneutics. I wanted to give you an example of how hard it is to preach out of some of those passages. And you can go by knowledge and you can go by people, but hermeneutics is the science of interpretation. And I got to tell you, there's only one perfect interpreter, and his name is the Holy Spirit. I will guarantee you, if you watch every preacher out there, you can take something out of context and find something wrong with every single one of them. And we say hallelujah for that, because there's only one perfect interpreter, the author of God's Word, the Holy Spirit. And that's why we say that we let the Bible speak the best, not the best message for the Bible or the best understanding of the Bible or the best interpretation, some will say, but it's literally explanation or a better explanation for the Bible is the Bible. So think of it, the perfect interpreter is the Holy Spirit. The best explanation for the Bible is the Bible. This is something that we have to deal with in our life. So that's why we are reading the Bible as a church. Because if you are a Christian, you are an anointed one. And there's a level of anointing that throughout your life... 
you will have to practice and work through so you can do your job as a priest. Because we are the priesthood of all believers. Man, woman, and child. In Christ, you are a priest. That's why you constantly have to do this. I want to warn you. Do not grieve God by going to commentaries. First, wrestle, pray, meditate with God's word to exercise the anointing that you have received. Because you can't say, I'm a Christian, oh, but I'm not anointed. Because Christian means anointed one. You have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. God speaks to you through His Word. And He knows where you're at. And when you read the same passage three years later, He'll speak differently. And you'll see differently. So you'll go through the Bible and then you'll get the literal meaning. And then you don't understand the literal Then you'll understand it better. And then you go through the Bible and you see, oh, there's... A beyond meaning. There's some prophetic aspect. But then you go more and then you begin to see more of Jesus than the literal meaning. And you keep going, you see more of Jesus. And then you begin to see more of the prophetic. And then you begin to see spiritual meaning as you go through. And then you begin to see kingdom level reality. And that is what's hard at this point for David to comprehend. But he will. Because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he comes through a life of worship. Not necessarily of study. He comes through a life of worship. Because as we go further, we see then King David went and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord, that, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart. Whose heart is it now? According to your own heart. You have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord, O God. For there is none like you. And there is no God besides you according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth who God went to redeem, to, his, to be his people, make himself a name and, do, uh, and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you establish for yourself your people, Israel, to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. He first now responds to say, oh, I am nothing. I'm not deserving this. You know everything about me. There's nothing I can hide. I, you know, he'll try to hide Bathsheba. There's a lot of things, but he's simply saying, I don't deserve it. 
And this is what we say when we come to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and we see him lifted up and God places his righteousness upon us. Can we say we deserve it? Can we say, well, I just want to be good before God. No, no, no. God takes the righteousness of his perfect son and places it on you. Who deserves that? Nobody. No, none of us. Well, wait a minute. This is how I am. This is how I am. No, nobody. David doesn't stop there. It's not about him. He turns to Israel. He cares about the people. He brings them into the equation. See, many of us will say, well, if I'm doing well, it's good. If I'm doing well, and it's fine. Because we're more individualistic and selfish by nature. David could not see him apart from his people. What does that tell us about the tent of our heart, the tent of love that we have? Lord, please take our tent peg and please begin to move them further out. That's one of the spiritual meanings of a very famous book that maybe you guys have heard about because it was made very out of context. I mean, Prayer of Jabez. You guys remember people going through that? Literally, that, that is one of the things that it's meant there, but we won't go into that. And now, Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant. So he began to pray and sing and praise God out of this reaction. Confirm forever the word that you have spoken it's above and beyond him, and he wants to confirm and he wants to grow in it concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. Does it sound like he knows exactly everything that's going to happen? David says, no, but I want you to stay into your word and do it, you know. He's, he, but he said it, it is good. He said it, it is good. Will consequences from sin be lifted up from David? No. The sin will be removed, but the consequences will remain. It's not only his firstborn son. What consequences will remain with David? His own wives will be ravished in the sunlight because you did this in secret. I will reveal this with power in the daylight. Against you. This is God. He will take the hidden part, the sinful part, and try to expose it. Because He is righteous. On our part, we try to hide this reality. On our part, we try to hide this reality. 
For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. We now come to this word, revelation. Is this part of your vocabulary as a Christian? Yes, because if you are in Christ, you are chosen in Christ, and Christ has been revealed to you as your king. And the revelation of the kingdom of God is the authority by which you now live until you get home. If that's true, what type of life of authority do you have in this kingdom? It brings us to the reality of saying, hey, we study the word of God. We look into this part that was revelation for us is now history and a spiritual reality. We are to be giants and experts into a life of the kingdom. This should be something that's good for you to go home and talk to your families. Hey, we've been living and we say we're Christians, but do we live like the world? Or do we actually live in this kingdom? Do I get more affected by who's in the office? Maybe you do, but you should be at peace that Jesus is your Lord and your, Lord and your King of kings. And the economy in heaven is not bad. He will not be impeached either. And he is coming back. And he has gone to prepare a place for you. Kingdom truths, kingdom elements that we see being released to all of us, to bless all of us from a heart inclination. They connected in a covenant with God from the heart of day and saying, this is not right. I'm living in more luxury where the presence of God is. And then God said, well, you know, it's a good thought, and, you know, it's the right thing, and I will build a house, and on the new house, on the new temple, it will even say the house of the Lord in the Solomon's temple. But guess what, David? You have shed too much blood. You, you, you have had a good thing on your heart. You, you worship me. You do this. It's the right direction. But you have shed too much blood to be able to do what? To build my house. How about that? Do you think David got offended? He prepared above and beyond all this wealth and all this wealth, he did what? Told his son, it's not for you. It's for the Lord to build this house. How about that? It's a good way to deal with uh, what you gather. It's a good example for those in your family. 
And now, O Lord God, you are God. And your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. Listen to how the story ends. And now, O Lord God, you are God. This is all about him. Have we come to this point in our walk with the Lord, even though we are anointed with the Spirit, we are in Christ, and as we progress and our heart moves with the heart of the Lord to make the same declaration. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. And if you do that, then I want to ask you, why don't you read his word? And you have promised this good thing to your servant. Have you come today in his house to repeat the promises that the Lord has given you? Do you have promises from the Lord in Christ Jesus? Is that personal? Is that something that on a regular basis you begin to praise the Lord with the fruit of your lips? And with your heart being attached to it? Because that is an invasion of his righteousness in your life. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that he may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. What is David saying? I know what you're saying. I get the idea of what you're saying. But I'm assured that this continues only with the presence and the power of your voice. It is by no mistake that the psalmist says, your word is a... Lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, God's word continues to support itself and to generate itself and explain itself. But through this covenant and through the work of Jesus on the cross and the work of the Spirit within us, we can now walk and live and experience this reality. It is not just... A prophetic word for the future. And therefore, the Lord Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent deals with is this, is this following covenant? Who does repent refer to? Us. Have you done anything to build that kingdom? For the kingdom of God is at hand? Did, did you have any part in building that and constructing that? That has nothing to do with 
us. Repent, on our part, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Does the message of Jesus move apart from covenant? Even in his very word and instruction, we're in that covenant and we're celebrated when we partake communion. Today, the Lord says, there's nobody on the planet who does not need to repent. Look around you. Everyone here needs to repent. And for those who repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And what is the response? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's invite the, 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 the band up as we're going to sing a Jewish song out of this, uh, you know, very Jewish background. It's a Jewish theme. I don't think we've sang it before, but it is in the, in the hymnal. So, uh, you know, we, you guys, you may have heard the melody. We'll go uh, a, a few times through it. So after the song... Please feel free to go downstairs and, and partake in fellowship of food with us. Or if you have any prayer requests or you like to uh, surrender your life to the, to the Lord, I'll be up here to, to pray with you. Please stand.